You're listening to Outlandish Outcasts at outlandishoutcasts.com. Welcome to Outlandish Outcasts. I'm your host, Al. With me, as always, the little bit sleepy, Desi. How are you doing tonight, Desi? Not as sleepy, but... You took a nap. Nothing wrong with that. I am a big proponent of naps, as we all know. So I, I'm, I'm not a napper. Otherwise, I don't go to sleep at night. I literally took a 10-minute nap today, and it felt amazing. My nap felt amazing. And I know I I feel a lot more refreshed, but I don't feel refreshed like... Hmm. <laughs> Actually, I probably feel a lot more refreshed than taking a full night's sleep yeah. because i'm really crabby yeah you are <laughs> real re, you're in a really good mood morning is your favorite time of day you can tell i i love mornings yeah <laughs> my body language totally showed that one yeah well i'm glad like summer's like right around the corner we got a camping trip in and it feels like i don't know it feels like summer's almost here it does feel like it kids are almost done with school and the whole our lawns longer than our neighbors is definitely summertime. I want to put up signs, no mow May signs. Like, yeah, when my dad kind of mentioned the lawn today, he didn't mention like the length or anything yeah. like that. But I wanted to tell him about May. Yeah, it, <laughs> like, there is a serious problem with the bee population, and part of that is people mowing their lawns so early that the bees don't get dandelions to pollen off of. Well, I'm glad we have the bees. I know we have a huge bumblebee that's constantly yes. by our window, and know, it's a little it freaky. And I want to make sure there's, like, I don't see nests being by our house. No. Like, wasp nests, yes. Yeah, those, we, we no. have wasp nests. But... but have you seen the apple tree in the backyard? Yeah, it's all flowery. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the bees need to be there. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we get no apples. Yep, yep. So I'm a little excited, but there'll be teeny tiny little crab apples because it's still a oh, baby still a little teeny tree. tiny little tree. It's only a few years old. But we can the kids will eat tardy apples. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yep. Yes, they will. All right. Well, my first story this week. It, it I found an interesting stat that I was very Does surprised. Does this have to by. do with baseball? No, <laughs> no. We had an earlier discussion on baseball, but anyways. Do you know what the number one new small business in America is? Online? I mean, online could mean a lot of things. But it's an online business. It is. (laughs) Administration? Content creator. Content creation is the number one online small business right now. Okay. In 2020, so it was. They're creating the website. No, or... they're doing stuff like we're doing right now. Oh, they're making oh. podcasts. They're on TikTok, YouTube, Twitch. That huh. is the number one small business, new small business in 2020, which makes sense because we're in the middle of a pandemic. People are stuck at home, and a lot of people decided to try out a new hobby. You know, and we some started people, this before. The some pandemic, people decided but... to take it and move it into more of a business and try to make a living off of it. And there are a lot of ways content creators make a living, you know, between, you know, ads on whatever platform they're on, asking for donations, things like that. Okay. There's a new app and there's actually a bunch of new apps like this, but the one that's kind of hitting the headlines lately is called new, new. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
So you only can get on there if you're new, new. No, you can get on there. Anybody can get on there. It's apps technically still in beta, so it's not on. It's not like on a public app store yet. You can get like a beta version of it on the iOS and Android store, though, if you sign up for their beta and they send you a link and stuff like that. I have this feeling we're going to be on Nunu. Uh, I have no interest in being on Nunu. Oh, I don't know what Nunu is. <laughs> None at all. Is. None at all. Um, Nunu is the brainchild of Los Angeles-based entrepreneur Courtney Smith. Okay. Um, she describes this, the app as a human stock market. Okay. It's basically a polling app where a content creator can say, Hey, what should I have for dinner? Chinese or Korean? You pay me $5 and you can vote in the poll and I'll do whatever you say. $5? <laughs> and it has caught on like wildfire, especially with TikTokers. TikTokers are using it like crazy because it's a perfect platform to be like, throw up a quick video to say, hey, what should I do? And then a quick video of you showing yourself doing it, whatever, you know, was voted on. Huh. Um, they, I, I read an interview with... Um, uh, a writer, his name's Brandon Wong. He recently said he couldn't decide what to order, and this is where he came up. He came up with the idea of Korean or Chinese food. So he put out a poll, and his uh, his audience picked Chinese food, which he wasn't really in the mood for, but he went with the Chinese food. Uh, he did. He joined the platform back in March, and he has had seventeen hundred total votes on polls for him. So that's times five dollars. Minus, I'm sure, a cut that goes to the app. But that's a lot of money just to have people tell you what to do. I would never. I don't like the idea because I always thought, and even if I was like, I mean, we're creating content, but I'm not a content creator. It's not what I do for a living. But I always thought, even the content creators I watch, I watch them because... I want to hear their opinion on things. I want to see them make their decisions. I don't, I don't really want to control anybody else. So aren't it's, a lot of them, it's for the attention. Oh, no. Yeah, I get I'm that. not saying all of them. Let me mm-hmm. make that loud and clear. But a lot of them, it's for the attention type thing or money. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily them wanting to be them Mm -hmm. what i mean this kind of reminds me of i don't even know what tv show it was it was a tv episode of something and this kid sold stocks on his life okay and the shareholders got to control control his life well he wanted to marry this girl and his stockholders very familiar to me i must must have seen or known about it or like her at all and he was torn, and they had to vote whether he could propose mm-hmm. or not. Yeah, that. Like, how I, could you let somebody control your life? When that I much? said I'm not interested, it's because I see a lot of red flags with stuff like this that oh, makes me go like, and on like both sides, goes, on the on the community voting side and on the content creator side. I mean, what like, kind of food do you eat? Okay, I can't make a decision. I'll let other people yeah, make a decision. Yeah, when it's something like that where he you really can't decide. No, he didn't. Food. He just he like, put up the poll because, well, I can put up the poll and I can make some money. And I'm guess I'm going to eat Korean tonight. Oh well, but at least I made some, made enough money to pay for the dinner. So who cares? You know. Like why? Why? 
I mean, I could see if you were just being indecisive and you really didn't mm-hmm. know, and you were like, well, I'll just see, you know, because I'm, t- I'm torn here. Well, and- okay. But that where it's like, I already know what I want to eat, but I want to make money. That's dumb. It is. And as a content creator, if you're a content creator, I think it's also sending almost the wrong message to your fans, even like the, you can tell me what to do for a price, for a price. Like that is not a good message to send anybody over anything. Uh -uh. Like enough of our world already runs on for a price. (laughs) Like enough of our country. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I just, I don't know. I was a little bothered when I when I heard about this app and how popular it had become. And there's a bunch of other apps trying to do similar things. But part of the problem is there's so many people that have entered content creation that there's not enough ad dollars to keep them all afloat. Not enough eyeballs even to just, you mm-hmm. know. So it's a very cutthroat type business and you got to find a way to make money. If, that's what you, if this is what you've decided to do as a career, you got to find a way to make money at it. So... In steps companies like this, who I'm sure is taking a nice little cut of every, you know, oh, for sure. percentage of every one of those, and they're making a ton of money off of all these little, you know, votes that have happened and stuff. I don't know. The, I guess inside the app, it's mostly polls, but there's also a, a a system where you can send a message to a creator and say, "Will will you do this for X amount of dollars?" And they can accept or decline. But dumb. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of freaky, freaky way that uh, things are going with the combination of technology and the constant need for money, attention. money and attention. Attention. I, that's what I see is the yeah. attention of it. And I just, and just think if it works, people want to throw money around like that either. If it works out well enough, you're surrounded by people who know. They're around you because they get to tell you what to do, <laughs> you know, basically for a price. I'm so glad that app was not around when, when Tristan was in high school. Yeah. That almost is scary because yeah, this Tristan is the kind of used stuff. to eat things for a dollar. For a dollar. Or not a yeah. dollar, but for a price. My, I, I mean, I did too, but that was like with my family as a little kid. My dad would give me a dollar for a jalapeno or something like that, but just to watch me suffer. But yeah, it was probably stuff like jalapenos. It wasn't anything bad, but it was stuff Tristan really didn't want to eat. But he did it because he got money for it. He'd get all excited, and I'm like, it bothered yeah. me. It bothered me, and I'm, and I think it's because it's uh. It bothered me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Yep, yep. That was my first story. The well, new, new app. It's an interesting story, and if I'm ever torn on anything, maybe I'll go to that, because you're not a very good tiebreaker. I'm not. When I am torn, you're just like, I don't know. No, I don't know. And it's like, I'm literally asking you because I don't know. <laughs> like, just say something. Maybe I'll have to try out that app. Ha! (laughs) Okay. So my first story is... There was in recent... It was recently where something was falling from space. I don't remember... Yeah, Chinese satellite. Chinese, okay. Could you imagine if something like that fell on somebody's house? That would be kind of crazy. Like anywhere in the world. Who do you think would be responsible for that? 
I don't know. You'd think China because it's their satellite, knowing it's I mean, their satellite. I guess, but you're not going to get China to pay for it if you're not in China. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know this, but if space junk falls on your house, mm-hmm. there are actually laws to protect you as a house owner. Really? Yeah. So, or a property owner, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, so, May 8th, as we know, a piece of space... See, and I, here I had to ask. <laughs> <laughs> it's first sentence. A uh, piece of space junk from Chinese rockets fell uncontrolled back onto Earth and landed in the Indian Ocean near the Maldives. So, mm-hmm. most of the stuff we hear about, it does fall back to Earth, but... Thankfully, it's never landed anywhere where it's been affected. Two-thirds of the planet is water. Right. Good chance it's going to hit the water. So um, for space law to be effective, it needs to do three things. First, regulation must prevent as many dangerous situations from occurring as possible. Second, there needs to be a way to monitor and enforce compliance. And finally, laws need to lay out a framework for responsibility and liability if something was to go wrong. So, with this in mind, what if something had landed on your house? Mm-hmm. Um, instead of landing in the ocean, uh, the, the rocket crashed into your house while you were at work, let's say, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so, according to the 1967 Outer Space Treaty and the 1972 Liability Convention, both adopted by the United Nations... This would be a government-to-government issue. So the treaty's declaration that states are intentionally responsible and liable for any damage caused by spacecraft, even if the damage was caused by a private company from that state. Hmm. So according to these laws, your country wouldn't even need to prove that that, um, someone had done something wrong if a space object or component parts had caused damage on the surface of the Earth to, or to normal aircraft in flight. So basically hmm. it comes down to the junk from China landed on your house. Your own country's government would make a claim for compensation through diplomatic channels and then pay you. Okay. And then if they choose to make the claim, if they were to choose to make the mm-hmm. claim. So regardless, the government's going to pay you. Government's going to pay you, and then they're going to, if they can, they're going to go China. after, go to China so and try to get the money. China would be a little harder get to get it from because they're not in the UN. But but either way, you're going to get your money, and they're probably going to try to get their money back anyway. That's so, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had hap- this has happened one time where this law actually okay. happened. Um, it uh, I got to find the little spot. So in 1978, the Soviet Cosmos 1954 satellite fell into a barren region of Canada's Northwest Territories. And when it crashed, it spread radioactive debris. Um, See, it crashed in the Northwest Territory and hit something. There's nothing there. <laughs> well, it hit the land. <laughs> okay. But that they still sense. had to clean yeah, up the mess. Yeah, that's going to be a radioactive mess. And yeah. And it was a joint Canadian American team that began to clean up the efforts. It cost about 14 um, million Canadian dollars, 11.5 US dollars, million mm-hmm. US dollars. The Canadians requested $6 million Canadian dollars from the Soviet Union 
but the Soviets paid only three million Canadian dollars in a final settlement. <laughs> so they still paid something. Yeah. But they gave what they wanted more yeah. or less. But it was a good chunk of it. Um. I mean, that's an agreement we should kind of have worldwide. The space exploration is. Um, it's advantageous to the entire planet, to every, you know, to every mm-hmm. country. And yes, things are going to happen, so we should have some kind of agreement that. And if the odds something of hits... it landing on someone's property is very slim. Well, yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, most people in the world are gathered in small little clumps. You mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of open land and a lot of open water. Yep, um, and there's not very much stuff in space no um so countries do have a duty to warn other governments about debris provided any information about the impeding crash uh clean up any damage caused by the crash crash and compensate your government for any injuries that may have been resulted um there is concern about more stuff going up because when more stuff goes up more stuff's going to come down, mm-hmm. and then the odds are going from slim, because it's slim chance, to it's good potential that somebody is eventually going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, because mm. things break down, things stay up there, nobody's cleaned anything up up there, yeah, no. and things are still A lot sitting of stuff just up, floating there. up there. And eventually, you know more and more stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it bumps into each other in space if it's roaming around and not staying put. It bumps into each other in the right trajectory and something ends up coming back this way. Or they both come back this way and they could land halfway around the world away from each other just if being hit right, too. Mm -hmm. Um, So, the current space law, it's worked so far, but there's been one issue. (laughs) And... As more and more spacecrafts take flight, it it's it's a little. I would imagine there's going to be more issues, especially now that a lot of private industry has gotten into space travel and but putting rockets up. Maybe I mean, with the satellites going up for like internet and stuff like mm-hmm. that, I could see. But now it almost seems like we're getting more and more into wanting to go to Mars. Yeah, and so this stuff is going to be not as close to us. And like private industry lately has gotten really good at launching a rocket and getting the lock rocket to come back down and land like it's amazing watching those those uh, rockets launch and land now it's kind of crazy looking. oh yeah but that was kind of my first story i was like mm. eh, that's my current story so i'm always interested History in how things like things like that and how things are paid for and this is a little little side it's not my story but i learned something today do you know how who pays the money if you go on who wants to be a millionaire and win i figured that came from the ads if you win the jackpot it comes from their insurance company they've bought jackpot insurance because it's so rare that people hit it that there's literally an insurance company insuring them so if that jackpot is hit the insurance company pays the million. I wonder how much they have to pay. I'm sure it's a pretty penny that they're well, paying yeah, like, per episode. Eventually it's, eventually, it's gonna happen. But yeah, yeah. I just I learned about jackpot insurance today that I thought was very interesting. And it has happened. Well, it's happened multiple like, times. Who wants to be yep. a millionaire and yep. stuff like that? But that's crazy. Yeah. So it's an insurance company. Kind of interesting. Huh. Um, speaking of money and winning. <clears throat> 
Um, this was from May 14th, so a couple weeks ago, last week, whatever. I was going to say that's only a couple That's when the story was written. Um, the incident actually took place earlier in the year. Okay. Or late last year. Um, $26 million lottery prize drawing. A woman washed the ticket. <gasps> How do you prove that? Yeah. You had it? Well, here's what she did. She went to the gas station that she purchased it at. She was a regular at that gas station. Okay. They So, you know, they can verify what exact time the ticket was sold. They well, check the yeah. security footage, and it's her buying the ticket. Huh. So it's 100% for sure she bought this ticket, but it has been washed and ruined, and there is nothing that can be done. The lottery said they will only accept it if, A, you have either a winning ticket... Or pictures of the front and the back of the ticket. <laughs> so, note to self, take pictures of all your lottery tickets. You know, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> um, yep. So, yeah, $26 million. Um, and if the prize isn't claimed in the next week from this being written, um, all $26 million will go to California public schools. Because that's where the money will go if it's not totally claimed. Um, it's extremely uncommon for large jackpots not to be claimed, but there have been four prizes in this country of 20 million or more that went unclaimed since 1997, including a $63 million prize from 2015 that was never claimed. Could you imagine, like, I would be kicking myself for the rest of my life? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I hate doing laundry, and I did laundry that day. <laughs> That would be my luck, though. And to be able to go and prove that this is you that bought that ticket, you can prove it, you know. Well, she probably didn't think anything of it, but they will say, we know it was bought. Mm-hmm. Here. Yeah. And the, ga- the the gas station still got there. I think they got $130,000, their little bonus for selling the winning know. ticket. For selling the winning ticket because the oh. company, you know, because the lottery officials know where it was sold exactly and wherever it's sold gets a little bonus you know for selling it that's how they make their money in the lottery and that seriously sucks yeah the lady gets nothing Nothing. absolutely nothing that's sad yeah i kind of thought so too like she could go in they could prove she bought it yep they could prove it was her that bought that ticket at that time but i mean but legally you can't prove she didn't sell the ticket to somebody or, or give it, give it away. Or just there, you know, that. there's no way to prove that, which is why they're like, we like need to at least because see. They give her the prize yep. money and then somebody shows up and they're like, but I have the ticket. Yep. And then it becomes a big legal battle and whatnot. So I'm guessing she's going to be out because I'm pretty sure she's not going to find the ticket because she knows Aww. she washed it and ruined it. But yeah. I would die on the inside. Yeah. That would be one of those, like, super excited because I think I won the lottery and super pissed off because I just lost it. <laughs> oh, you know our house would be tore up from oh. the floor up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Aw, that's so, sad. That was my second story. I promise my third one won't be sad. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> so my next story, I want to play this thing. Okay. So... I kind of was going through stuff, and this is one of those you just kind of come across the story unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. 
Hopefully my volume and everything is up. Zero, two, five, eight, is this like a number eight. station? So you knew what it was. Yeah. I had never heard of a number station no, before. It, I, I don't know much about them, but I, I've i watched a few shows, a few like sci-fi shows that have covered them in I don't know. Ways, it reminded so. me of Lost. I wondered if Lost had done... Because they Lost had it, a transmission type thing. And those original think... numbers came from a number station that some dude was working at and the first time he heard them and then he went crazy and into the mental institution, which is where Hurley heard the numbers for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a number station there. Yeah. Yeah, so, because when I heard it, I thought of Lost, like, almost immediately. And um, I'm like, I don't know if that's what... Fringe did, a, like, a whole few episode, like, storyline on number stations. I thought that was really cool. But I thought this was really cool because they're still in order. Mm-hmm. But they don't know if they're legit mm-hmm. from, like, Russia or something yeah, there's, like that. There are people all over the world who it's their hobby to listen to these and to oh, yeah. check the transmissions. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. There's there's a website I'll be giving where cool. you can go find them and try to pick up the frequency of it. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. But I thought that was... <laughs> to me, it's just kind of creepy to listen to it. I don't know. It is I don't creepy. know. It's, like, eerie. But um, imagine you're an amateur radio operator in, in the 70s and you just happen to come across something like that like you've just purchased a piece of high tech let like equipment that mm-hmm. lets you talk t- with people and all that fun stuff and you're kind of going through the frequencies and you hear that yeah that would I be kind of freaky what would you like think i'd be like what is like, this like what is this yeah. um just some like launch code or something. What's going on? <laughs> um, yeah, I'd be freaked out, but and then you go back to it and it's just gone. Like mm-hmm. you can't pick it up again or something. So, in short, number stations is a shortwave radio broadcast transmitting an incomprehensible series of letters or numbers believed to be part of secret instru- instructions to uncover upper. Um, operatives or operations whatever i can't Mm -hmm. even talk um just because i'm half asleep well we're gonna go with that okay so um it's believed that its spies undercover could easily obtain shortwave radio to receive information and commands um through number Mm -hmm. stations were first noticed in the 70s and the con pro or connect project connect I'm assuming that's how that's pronounced. Project dedicated to cataloging the history of these stations. Like, there's a ton mm-hmm. of stations. The closest one I saw was in Lansing, Michigan to us. Okay. So I'm like, I don't even know if it could be picked up. Maybe there is something here nobody's ever actually looked. Yeah, maybe. Um, so I think it was... 20,000 number station broadcasts have been logged on spynumbers.com. So this is the <laughs> website you can go. You can log something if you're able to. You mm-hmm. have to like go through it. You can also read all the different ones. And there are things that are still going to this day. Mm-hmm. 
Um, many groups have began or begun to record the broadcast. They and I was I there wasn't many I could listen to, but there was one with Yosemite Sam, <laughs> and I was like, "What the heck?" Funny. And it still plays, and it's down in California area. No, maybe I'm thinking Yosemite because that's the character. But it plays, and it's just like they know the exact episode off of Bugs Bunny that it came off of and everything. And I'm like, that's just crazy. And it's something about somebody blowing. And I'm like, is this like trying to say it, give the message, like execute? Maybe. I have no clue. Yeah, who knows? It's just crazy. Not these the number stations are like creepy thing to think about. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, it could be anything. It could be nothing. It could be, yeah. Well, it sounds like it. People think of like the Cold War, mm-hmm. like all the spies and stuff like yep. that. And is this still going on? And if it is still going on, why aren't they using the internet? Well, in my mind, I'm going. I know why they're not using the internet because you don't always have internet access. Everywhere you go. No, you don't. You know what you do you have access to? You can send a shortwave radio signal anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. And it's just like that. That's why I never understood when like phones and, or not phones, TV stopped doing analog and they mm-hmm. went digital. I'm like, this is the dumbest thing because if something was to happen and another country cut off all our satellites... Well, the common it's not dumb. It was profit. They wanted to sell those radio wave lines for for cell phones and things like that. So they needed to get the TV out of there. (laughs) I mean, I understand that. But at the same time now, like if you need to do an emergency broadcast, even to a cell phone or a TV, it's not happening. It's not. It's over. So it's just. Yeah. So anyways, but that was my kind of story because i thought that was kind of number stations are very intriguing it's not something i've ever like looked into a lot but i you know i know enough about them to at least know what it was but see when i heard it on lost i didn't think anything of it just like it's this endless transmission that's going in a loop circle Mm. over and over and over and i never thought of like a number station type thing never ran through my head but i didn't know what a number station was yeah Either this, I learned about it, and I was like, "This reminds me of Lost." Yep. So, hmm. I just thought that was kind of cool, and now I might have to like see if I can pick something up, get a hold of a ham radio, and yeah, be, be cool. like, "Let's see if we have any creepy signals around here." That would be cool. That would be cool. All right, my last story. It's a crime story. Ooh. Is this from watching your cop stuff? Nope. This is uh, the Mounties in Porcupine Plain, a town in east central Saskatchewan. Canada? They were notified on May 7th about a theft in the rural area. Okay. Um, somebody was putting a fence around their property, and okay. before they put up the fence, they laid out all the posts where they were going to put them. Did Sasquatch come around and pull the post out? No. Uh, they hadn't put them in the ground yet. They just kind of laid them where they were going to put them. Okay. They came back the next day and all the posts were gone. Somebody thought they just laid them there as garbage. So investigators started investigating the theft, but they had no leads until the posts were spotted nearby. Dun, dun, dun. In a beaver dam. <laughs> <laughs> 
Did they arrest the beaver immediately? Uh, the beavers helped themselves to the stash of posts and used them to build their dam. Um, the Mountie said that they would not be arresting anybody or filing any charges. And that, unfortunately, the guy who lost his post is just going to have to buy some new ones because the beavers Aww, get to they keep pull them. Rank. <laughs> yes. Aww. So a short little story, but I thought it was hilarious to like the beavers stole the posts. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that at all. Not one bit. So my last one is a little bit on the shorter end, and I did a whole somewhere to travel to type thing. Okay. And originally it started with just kind of looking for where we could go mm -hmm. and different odd things. This isn't somewhere I think we could go. Maybe it's somewhere we can go. I don't know. But apparently Dr. Seuss' amazing world in sculpture, sculpture garden, I can talk, is in Springfield, Massachusetts. Springfield, Mass. Had no clue. Me either. So, um, some cities stake their claim to fame in the cartoon universe, as we know there's a few of them out there. Mm -hmm. um, Springfield happens to have, they have positioned itself as ground zero for Dr. Seuss. Hmm. So, and I kind of find it funny, because he's not from I was gonna there. Say, I was going to say, is there a reason, or did Springfield <laughs> just decide, we're going to stake our claim to Dr. Seuss? Kind of, sort of, okay. what happened. I mean, I'm sure it happens all over and all kinds of things. <laughs> so, Theodore Seuss Gazelle, I think is his... No idea. ...last name, hyphenated last name. Um, creator of The Grinch Stole Kiss Christmas, The Cat in the Hat. Um, oh, he was born in Springfield on March 2nd of 1904. Okay, that makes a little more sense. But he wrote all his famous books for children much later in life in La Jolla, California. Okay. So there's a statue there in California. Um, however, reason that the town with the most statues win. <laughs> <laughs> so when Dr. Seuss died in 1991, they commissioned his stepdaughter to make sculptures of her dad's imaginary um, little cartoons yeah, and characters. all these things and of him. And uh, it took until 2002 at a reported cost of $6.2 million. Wow. It's expensive. But the important characters are pre are present. Horton, um, the elephant, Sam I am, Yertle the turtle, la la la, list goes hmm. on. Cool. Uh, these sculptures, however, are more for parents than kids. I thought that was kind of interesting. Really? Rather than the playground populated with colorful, climbable fiberglass creatures, they are rendered in serious detail, hot to the touch, and some are bronze, hmm. displayed in neatly trimmed National Memorial Garden. Hmm. So That's cool. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, Springfield boast like they boasted its claim in 2017 when the amazing world of dr seuss opened on june 3rd next to the statue garden with the two attractions for the same emission price the amazing world's rooms are painted in the familiar seuss's crazy color palette mm -hmm. and the first floor is actually geared for young children with games and activities 
And finally, kid-friendly statues of Sue's characters. Mm. And then the upstairs is the adult floor with artifacts from Ted's California home, such as his drawing table, his favorite chair, and his collection of 117 bow ties. It should be like a bar, and every drink you have to read another chapter of the book. (laughs) That would be fun. One fish, two fish, blue fish, red fish, blue fish. I don't remember how that goes, but... Yeah, I That's just cool. That I wouldn't mind seeing cool. that. That's cool. I had no clue that I didn't realize there was a Dr. Seuss museum. Even, yeah, me either. But it statues. doesn't surprise me. There are museums no. and stuff to like that to every. Yeah. A lot of creators. But that was pretty cool. I thought. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. If you thought it was cool, you could let us know by sending us an email to outlandishoutcasts at gmail dot com. Otherwise, you can come check us out on Facebook and follow us there. Leave a comment about Dr. Seuss and anything else we had to talk about this week. Um, And definitely share at Outlandish Outcast Podcasts. And we are on Twitter at Outlandish Casts. (laughs) Our oddball. Yes. And we're also on Instagram where you can like and follow us there, or I should say love and follow us there. Is that all you can do on Instagram is love? That's all you can do. There's no wow (laughs) or angry face. Mm -hmm. But um, Outlandish Outcast podcasts. Or leave us a rating and review in whatever application you're listening to the show on. I should do the friendly reminder of just let Al know I'm the funny one. Yes, I'm the funny one. Anyway, (laughs) have a good week, everybody. Bye.